Uh, today is Sunday, November 2nd, 7th, 2021, and uh, here in Israel we're still in the midst of summer weather, uh, and I look for the forecast for the week, it's all summer, and my wife said we'll make up for it in a few weeks with the winter, but uh, the winter here will be very limited. If it's not cold already in November, the worst it can be is December, January, February, by March it starts to get better. Uh, if you notice, make, make it one drop, one little drop. Uh, uh, you notice we have a new microphone system, which I have to thank Yoma once again. This system was in storage. It was the one they put them for a Baron Lichtenstein. And um, I was having trouble with the other system, which was bought for me in, by Chris in 95. So I asked them, can you give me something new? And they brought this out and refurbished it. And this morning, we turned it on. It didn't work. Yomo played with it for a good 15 minutes and somehow got it to work. Now, I have to tell you, I came up. Of course, you won't see it here. But uh, this is Reb Menashe Klein right here. This is, it's a very interesting picture. It comes from a volume on the Pnei Menachem on the previous Gera Rebbe, and uh, Rebbe Nasha Klein and the previous Gera Rebbe were Machatanim. Their children married, and Loa Lenu, uh, the son of the Gera Rebbe, who was an Adam Gadol, was killed by a bus, uh, hit by a bus, and he died first day Yantif. All this happened on uh, Malchai Yisrael. And uh, here at this dinner for uh, the Gera uh, the Yeshiva, it has to be in the United States, there's Rabbi Menashe Klein. Sitting next to him is, uh, let, me let, 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 let me just be sure that I'm correct, uh, sitting next to him is Rabbi Shnur Katla. There's Rabbi Shnur Katla, right next to Rabbi Menashe Klein. Very fascinating picture. The speaker, is the Pnei Menachem, who uh, became, who's the uncle of the present Gera Rebbe, and the father, uh, I don't know if you're aware, but in Gera right now there's a civil war for the first time in history, and the Pnei Menachem's son, Reb, Shmuel, Reb Shaul, who I happen to know on a personal level, another Gadol, and he's in America right now, and for the minute he davened that on Shabbos, a person paid one million dollars to his mostat for the third aliyah. Not bad, selling a third aliyah, one million dollars, and civil war is going on. It's the first time there's been a rebellion, and there are reasons why, but it's not for now. Uh, whose side am I on? I have no side, because I'm not a Gerach Hasid. But if I'd be a Gerach Hasid, there's no question I would be a follower of Reb Shol, uh, Reb Shol Alta. Yeah, yes, Mark? Did he say something about a bus, first aid, yeah? He died. He was hit by the bus. He was critical. And I remember it was on the radio, and I, I didn't realize, you know, how great he was. And it just breaks the heart. But the, you, you heard Shabbat, 11, 12 people were killed here. The, the recorders arrived? Uh, yeah, the recorders arrived. Okay, now... Just coming in, uh, Rabbi Grinstein sent me another source that if you don't have Kavana, perhaps there's not Kedusha to when you're writing the Shem. The sources I quoted were the sources quoted by Rabbi Menashe Klein, but obviously there's much more you can do on the topic. I want to thank Rabbi Israel Shiner. Very fascinating that uh, 
that he quoted from Minchatasha dealing with problems of Corona, and he too answered, if you have to enter the Corona ward, they're going to destroy everything you bring in so as not to spread infection. He ruled you can't bring in your tefillin, and he cited of Moshe Feinstein and others, as I cited in class. There's no question that uh, Reb Moshe Asid and Rabbi Susan Meltzer and the Chibina, on the other hand, as we saw, they were matirim. Uh, in regard to the question of using the new umbrella, which does not completely close on Shabbat, I ate the Suda last Friday night at Rabbi Vigdan Ebensol's house when someone asked him his opinion. He replied that he first, at first he permitted it, but now he changed his mind and believes it is prohibited due to the Easter bona, which he said applies even if stayed open by a tefach. Uh, so I wrote back to him, it's interesting that there's been no official uh, declaration in Besheva. Besheva published the original articles and if Rabnevinsold withdrew, he could certainly drop a note to Besheva would be published. All right, it remains to be seen what's going to happen. Uh, Jack asked a uh, very interesting question. He did a um, search on the Chivat of uh, Rabbi Nasha Klein, and he found that he also was asked the question about Bitua Chaim in another place, and he dismissed it very quickly and said that it's absolutely mutter. He didn't want to deal with it in length. And here you see in a later tshuva that he's dealing it in length. And there can be many reasons why. One reason is he didn't consider the question that serious a question. And when he saw later that Reb Moshe came out, and Reb Moshe will talk about when we get there, but it was a later edition of the Igrot Moshe and the one on Chayshin Mishpat, and he saw Reb Moshe dealt with it in length, so evidently when he got the question again, he dealt with it in length. Also, you have to understand that a posseg, someone like Rabbi Nasha Klein, is living in a real world. He's a Rosh Hashiv, he's a Rosh Kolel, he's running a shtibble, he's opening a branch in Israel. And uh, it's like I say in what I'm, I hope to see the final uh, uh, corrections today and sign off on, on the essay, and in this essay, one of the points I make that there were many great minds that came up with the idea of practical, real Zionism in modern times. Among them were the greatest of Rabbanim, Rabbi Molivar, Rabbi Kalisha, Rabbi Alkali, and they published and they were really with it in a full sense. And yet on the other hand, Theodor Herzl is the father of the Jewish state. And one of the reasons is very simple, that all these Rabbanim had multitudinous activities. They were involved with Kehillot, with teaching, with writing, and with the Zionism. Theodor Herzl, from the moment he became a Zionist and stopped being an assimilated Jew, his entire life centered around Zionism. And as you know, he died nine years later. He died in 1904 at the age of 44. And he became a real activist about 1895. And uh, he neglected his family, neglected his wife, neglected his children, neglected his business, neglected his financial interests, and uh, he succeeded. And uh, you got to remember that it, at certain times in life, Rabbi Menashe Klein may have had more time, other times less time. 
So you can't say there's a steadfast rule here. It's not like Rav Ovadja Yosef, whose entire life was answering questions. He had no shul in the sense of a rabbi. He really didn't teach uh, classes. Uh, only when he became the chief rabbi, he got involved with some formal activities that a chief rabbi has to be involved with. But he really, his whole life, was answering questions. And uh, most poskim are not able to live like that. They have so many other responsibilities that uh, there are times when they'll answer, times when they'll push it aside, times when they'll answer very quickly, times when they'll answer in depth. Hakol toli b'mazel and the moment in life. Okay, now I want to come back here and uh, it's a very interesting shear what we're getting involved with and then when we go to Reb Meisha and uh, we're going to be touching upon, I would say, the most basic question that we face as Torah Jews in the contemporary world. But uh, we'll get there. It's certainly the most basic question we face if we go to YU, if we go to Lakewood, if we go to Panovich, if we go to uh, Mahon Lev. Wow, these questions come up all the time. But to begin with, um, Rabbi Nashi Klein was asked, is taking out insurance a sign of lack of bitachon in Hashem. And I told you that I saw this with my own eyes in one of the moments that uh, remains with me until today when I go back uh, about my life. And this started a year ago when I was very ill and you start thinking about your life. There are tens of happenings that happened that remain with me as if they happened a minute ago. One of them was from Shmuel Volk yelling at us that the whole concept of insurance is an American foolish idea. You're throwing out money, and even though I was a college kid and already knew a little bit about life, I, I said to him, Rebbe, we're, we're paying for peace of mind. That's what insurance is. And he dismissed that peace of mind, etc. And he told me in Europe, no one had insurance. This is just an, an American Mishigas, if I can uh, use his terminology. So Menashe Klein goes into it and goes into it seriously. And uh, he uses the example of Ketuba, which is a very good example, a very fine example, that a person has to live a normal life. You have to be concerned of, uh, uh, with someone else's money, who you support, what your obligations are. Uh, I say in the state of Israel, the day you have a child, you have to take out a savings plan for him uh, towards a house. They have all types of savings plans. And if you have, you know, this is an obligation. I have bitachon that uh, 20 years hence, uh, the real estate will be down, everything will be cheap. I think only a fool will speak that way. Uh, and, and this is living normally, and this is we It's a fascinating topic. And you can take it, follow through with the premarital clause and everything we have today. It's thinking ahead, thinking ahead. We live in a normal world. We have to deal with it normally. Uh, and, and, you know, I've said this many times that Nazirut is not advocated by the Torah. And think for a minute what Chazal is saying. Ah, you'll ask the question, Nathan. 
Why do we have Nazirat? Because not everyone walks the same path. In other words, God understood human beings are different. This is the greatness of Torah and Torah thinking. It's one of the, in my opinion, one of the fault lines of Torah today that everyone dresses exactly the same way. We look alike, we think alike, we act alike. And uh, Elliot, you don't have to believe me, I quote the Rav saying this word by word in, in the second volume of uh, the Rav, the World Dove, Rabbi Joseph V. And I can understand the Rav. So if you have someone like uh, Rav Avram Yitzhak Akoin Cook had a Talmud, Rav David Akoin, the Nazir. And the Nazir, you know, had been in college, been in university, and evidently he strayed a bit from the path. I don't know exactly what, when, where, how, but it's easy to understand. And then when he came back, he wanted something to make coffee. And, and Rav Cook saw his soul desired more than just the normal pet. So he became a, uh, as much as one can say in Azir in modern times. Y- yes? No, no, he couldn't become a real Nazir. His man is eight on a real Nazir, you can't bring Kabonet, etc. But he told him to live like an Azir, not to take a haircut and, and, and not to drink wine. And I think he didn't, I don't think they ate meat either as far as uh, Rabbi Gorin and his son-in-law and, uh, the, and, and the Rav Shaya Shifkon, if I'm not mistaken, they were vegetarians as well. But uh, that's, you understand, the Torah understood that this is not the right way for the masses to go. We have to live in a normal fashion and we have to make cheshbonot, hishtablut, and bitachon, and all that goes with it. We'll see what Rav Meishe says later or next week, Be'ezrat Hashem. But uh, he then quotes the Gemara, this is Rav Menashe Klein now, he quotes the Gemara in Tuvat, let me get the Gemara uh, in my notes. It's a very famous Gemara, you're all familiar with it. Tuvat Daf Nun Amir Aleph, and Amar Ablaza Be'usha Hitkinu Hamavaz Beis Al Yavaz Beis Yotemi Chomesh. That if you want to give staka, you can't give more than a fifth of what you have. Well, if this is the case, look at the Tosfat. If you can give a fifth, so it means in five years you won't have a penny left. So Tosfat says it means you give a fifth the first year, and then what's left over, you give a fifth of that the second year, and a fifth of that. In other words, so something will always be left. Rashi here is very important. And Rashi says, why are you limited to giving away a fifth? Because look, people uh, have moments in life, and we're talking about this in the Monday class. Uh, you're listening to the Rebetzin. And by the way, I listened to the Rebetzin. I have to thank uh, uh, my comrade who was here last week, Elliot, uh, the second Elliot, Elliot uh, uh, Farga, Fargash. Uh, Elliot sent me a link to the Rebetzin and literally some of the things I'm going to quote are quoted in class on Monday. You can hear the Rebetzin. I, I couldn't believe it. I remember her voice from B'nai Akiva. It's a slight accent, very emotional. That That's the Rebetzin. Slight accent, slight accent. And uh, so a person is overwhelmed. You're going to walk away and ah, 
what I've done until now is terrible and horrible and you just throw it all away, give away all the money. So Rashi says, the altit, that you see what we're worried about is if you give it all away, you become a charity case. And, and, and you know, again, if you go to Machna Yehuda, you'll see people, I, I don't know, I, 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 I've been there recently and I've seen nothing has changed. But I knew some of the people standing there collecting money, I knew the background of their life. And, you, you know, you literally could cry because, Mark, these were people who were very successful. And, I mean, one man, he was the distributor for Coca-Cola down south, and so they came Balchuva, they just want to learn. And they need money, they're standing there, Machna Yehuda, collecting money. And my, I, have a, I had a son-in-law, a very nice, very good person, he always gave this guy money, and one of my grandson's bar mitzvahs, I take a look, he was a guest. My son-in-law had invited him. And uh, so, you see, this Rashi, very pertinent in the modern era. All of you know what's going on in Israel today. Bombshell after bombshell is dropping, and there's no question the government will survive. Anyone who thinks differently is fooling himself. And you saw that last night with the uh, press conference so with, with, all, with all these bombshells dropping, uh, I, I, part of the big machloket going on is the Haredi world. I mean, Liebman has made a career out of maledicting the Haredim that they depend upon government support. In other words, they sit and learn, and we want money for this, we want money for that. And when you wind up for government support, you're no longer a free individual. And that's the difference. If you'll ask the difference between Mori Rebbe, how much has been written, and Moshe Meisman, the famous article, where he made the point that the only difference between my uncle and, and Rabarin Cutlass, my uncle came to America nine years earlier. Rabarin came 41 and the Rav came 32. I have to tell you, as someone who knew both of them and reveres both of them, and I don't have to tell you what I've written about the Rav, and I can also tell you what I've written about Rabarin Cutler. They said when they honored me in Lakewood, they said no one has written more beautifully about Rabarin Cutler. You look it up in Washington. And uh, there's a much bigger difference. Rabarin was Kulo Torah, and he saw no need for anything else. And, uh, certainly in our generation, certainly at those times. The Rav already... Altus Tareich Lebriot. When 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 Aaron Lichtenstein graduated Yeshiva College, uh, Rebarin, the, 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 the first the rumor was out all over YU that Aaron Rebarin is going to Lakewood, and suddenly he's going to Harvard, and we understand that the Rav played a role in redirecting Rebarin Lichtenstein. Yeah, and there were reasons why he wanted to have a doctorate. And if you, those of you again, it's a new generation. Remember my chaver, Rabbi Abba Brunspiegel. Anyone you know? None of you had him as a rebbe. He's out of the yeshiva many years already. Went away in anger to land the college. You know what I'm talking about, Natan or not? Boy, I, I gotta be really gotta, Do me a favor. Take off seven years and listen to my Sunday class. If you want to be a London, listen take off another seven years to find out the history of Torah. And he went to Linda. But Abba Brandspiegel, 
the Rav said to him, Abba, you have to get a doctorate. And every, whenever I tell the story, everyone laughs. I say, if you don't believe me, go on why you Torah. The Shleshim for the Rav. Abba Brunspiegel told them, he, the Rav said to me, I have to get a doctorate. And he, they, he, the Abba was not like the Aaron Lichtenstein. What a difference. Abba was Kulo Abba. A survivor, it uh, went through the hell of the Holocaust, the Gera Chassid by birth, by life, but that was the Rav Altitz Lebriot. And there was another case, there's someone listening to the Shia uh, Rabbi Rubin, so it was his cousin. So his cousin, instead of going to Harvard, went to Lakewood, the opposite of Rebarin. And the rub was very sad. It was a vestment sign with them. You know, what will be with him? The rub couldn't see that you'd accomplish a living and their inheritance and dignity. The rub had his only. He, he, the rub was very different than Rabbaran in this level. The ultimate question is Rabbaran Lichtenstein, would he have been any greater had he gone to Lakewood? Okay, this is a fascinating question. Zach, do I, uh, uh, your name? Zach, okay, I have it. Uh, Orange, we met, we met the other, what was it, Friday when I was showing my wife what's going on here. We remember when this was all in Orchard, you have to understand. So, so would Rabbi Stein have been any greater? And I hate to tell you this, is it Shaykh to say Rabbi could have been any greater? Kol HaTorah Kula Munachat You guys didn't hear a shir from Rabbi And of course the caller didn't appreciate him at the end. That's a different story with Chris Kolel. It's as far as appreciating G'dolei G'doylem, we got a problem here. And uh, Rabbi everything was Efshas by heart, Rashid by heart, Tulsat by heart. We shine him. Every sigya organized in his mind. All right. Could he have been any greater? Aaron, Aaron Rakefit says no. That his going to, to Harvard only enhanced his ability, his learning. But it's an open machlokes, and we're going to be haunted by this machlokes, as you will see. But this Gemara is very powerful. Hamavaz beis, alyavaz beis mechomesh, and and Rabbi Nasha Klein quotes it quotes it as a source to live a normal life and to take out life insurance. Now, excuse me? We'll come to that, we'll come to that. We have the other camp sitting in back and he's out to push Reb Menashe Klein away. We'll see, if we'll see, we'll see, we'll see. Uh, but but then Rabbi Nasha Klein quotes the Shulchan Aruch. I'll give you the source. The Ramah Yoredeya Siman Reish Mem Tet Sif Aleph. It's where the Ramah deals where you're dealing with staka. So the Ramah there says Lahalacha that all this that you're not allowed to give away your money, all this is when you're alive. But when you're dead, you could leave over all your money, give it away to Tzedaka. So I have to tell you, it's an interesting question. Um, I've been through life, unfortunately, and uh, the part of life that's so unfortunate is you see 
all the Freud, how Freud is so correct at times, children and parents, the enmity, enmity between them, the children who we ever go to psychologists and deal with these cases, and from people I'm talking about, forget about people who are not the Tyridic people, and uh, or many Achronim come out against the Psak of the Ramad, that even in death you don't give away everything. Children have to inherit, children have to feel their parents cared for them, and this is an ongoing problem. How do we balance out? You want to give stuck? All right. I can, all I can tell you is Mr. Grush, Joe Grush, Zach, you know who I'm talking about? How do you know? Did they ever talk about him here? Mr. Grush, the man I was privileged to fall on his shoulders, he fell down mine, we cried together. And if you want to read about the conversation, again, I refer you to Washington. And we got this campus for Torah. And uh, Joe Chris, every year, would come to visit. And no matter where I was teaching, they would send a limo for me, take me to meet him. We'd have lunch together. We'd walk through the building. He had, when he walked, he had interferers. I don't say that in English. Uh, secretaries. Uh, entourage. Uh, an entourage with him. They, he would say, this has to be fixed. That has to be fixed. Halavai would say, give Rakefir double his salary. But Baruch Hashem. And... Uh, and one time he said to me, I can show you where he said it to me, standing right outside the main entrance. He said to me, Rav Rakefet, I've taken care of my children. Had a boy and a girl. I want to die that there's not a penny in my bank account. I want it all to Jewish education. Give it away. So you can't argue with that. But he took care of his children. In other words, in their lifetime already, they had millions and millions of dollars. Is that good or bad? That's a different story. But when you're born into royalty and that type of wealth, it has to work that way. But if you don't have that type of money, so even what the Ramah Paskin, for instance, he quotes a shiltot, that the shiltot holds... In death, you're allowed to give away a third tzedakah. In life, a fifth tzedakah. So you see, low kulo, not the entire amount. And then he goes into something else which also is reflected in the halacha in many different ways. The whole question of a woman, the husband dies, and remember, we're, de- we're dealing with a world that's not like the world today. The world today, which for better or for worse, I'm, I'm not, I, I don't know if it's any better. Don't misunderstand me. My wife doesn't think it's better. But uh, in the world today, you fellas marry, uh, your wife can be a world-class surgeon. She makes in a week what you make in a year. You understand? You can marry your wife as a writer, novel after novel, bestseller, royalties. You're, you're, a, you're a Rebbe in a, in a Chutz Laretz program here in Israel. She makes in a month what you make in a year. You follow? So today it's a little bit different. But until modern times, a woman was dependent upon a husband. Gluckel of Halman is the exception that a woman in the 1600s, 17, early 1700s, 
could could run a business. You know, I'm talking Gluckel, the famous memoir, and and her husband died young. She inherited the business. She ran the business, but she was the exception. Today, she's a hero in the feminist world. So I always say. She can be the biggest hero. If the feminist will be as firm as Glickel was, I'm happy. I have no problem. But first, let's see the firm kite. Then, then we'll worry about the feminist part. But Chazal were worried about a woman that, for, for the sake of argument, she's not collecting haktava. So the, the uh, Yatomim have to provide her with sustenance, maintenance. They don't want her to go to Baton. You do. She doesn't have to appear in Baton. She can sell. She can buy. She can do what she wants. Why does she have to appear in Baton? You don't want to disgrace her. And the husband who's dead now, but this is what he wants out of life, not to disgrace his wife, not to disgrace his family, not in his lifetime, and not after his death. So what do you see from there? that a person has to live in a normal, honorable fashion. And, and again, he uses the word, that the almana and the atonim should not have to go around begging, should not have to appear in Baton, should not have to lower themselves dignity well life insurance is dignity okay okay now I want to show you the Sefer Hatanya here it is You've all heard of the Tanya. And world the world has changed, all I can tell you is in all the them for a Mesha Dovatendla, one story is not told in its entirety, it's not totally truthful. And that's uh, very simple. When I was a kid in Yeshiva, remember I entered YU in fifty one and those were very formative, beautiful years. And uh, I haven't left YU. I haven't left the MTA. MTA was the greatest experience imaginable. And uh, something big was happening in New York, in Brooklyn, in Crown Heights. The sixth Rebbe died in 1950. And in 51, the son-in-law, remember, you've heard Rack Kefitz lectures on Chabad, etc., there's a big mach like it. The family wanted his, the eldest son-in-law to succeed. And the Hasidim wanted Rabbi Menachem Mendel, the youngest son-in-law. And for a year, there was no Rebbe. You had Rabbi Guraye and you had the Ramash. The Ramash was Rabbi Menachem Mendel Shneerson. And at the end of the year, the Chassidim went out and they turned, I described it word by word from eyewitness accounts, and they turned to Rabbi Nachman Mendel and drank L'chaim to him and pleaded with him to say, Deva Elohim Chaim, 
Hasidic Torah. And the moment he got up and said Hasidic Torah, at that moment he became the seventh Rebbe. So I entered YU 751. He became Rebbe 51. They count from 1950, those of you aware of it. But it's not really 1950, although in reality he was the dominant figure once his father-in-law died. It's a year later. So um, we were very interested. Everyone heard that people are rushing to Crown Heights and this man is different than vision and America and, and, and after the Holocaust. I mean, these are many factors that are emerging together. And we contacted Crown Heights and we want to go for Shabbat. And the whole group of us went for Shabbat. Our literature wanted to execute us in public. That's a different story. And uh, then we asked uh, Chabad to send someone to teach Tanya. Uh, Thursday night, I think it was. Uh, it was an hour time, not, you know. Uh, you do it now. And, and, and Reb Moshe David Tendler found out about it. He was then assistant dean, and he was furious. And they canceled it. And Baruch Hashem, in later years, Rabbi Meshadavid became a follower of Chabad uh, to, you know what I'm saying, of a, a, what would be the word, a co-follower. Right? And, and, and now in YU they learn Tanya, but uh, ta Tanya is very important. Tanya is very important. Uh, uh, Tanya Shlomo, uh, you come you know, from Anapol and a different brand of Hasidus, but the philosophy in Tanya, when you start analyzing, uh, it's so much there that you can use in contemporary life. It's overwhelming. At Sadiq, at Benoni, at Russia, the Klippot, etc., etc. Yes, Yossi, Who gave this comment to, to, to Balatanya for, for Tanya? Who gave the what? The, Who gave this comment to Balatanya? Who gave Haskama new? Oh, Rav Zusha from Anipoli. So, so here I'm quoting, uh, there's so much to quote from the Tanya, but here I'm quoting, the, the, the truth is that the Rav could never shake off the influence of Chabad on him. And uh, uh, those of us that learn with the Rub, in my particular case, if you read my work on, uh, they're, they're now going to republish what I wrote on the Rub and the Rebbe. Uh, Rabbi Goldscheid is going to give him permission to republish it. I had a unique, unique moment in life, that Minishamayim. But I have to tell you, the Rub had very deep feeling appreciation for Chabad, for the Baltanya. It, it was not just philosophy. Uh, it was deep in his soul. You know, the Rub spent his formative years in Chaslavich. Chaslavich was uh, a Chabad city. Why they had a Litvish Rav, so look into what I wrote, look into Rav Heshel Shechter wrote, you'll see why. But uh, I'm calling from the Tanya now, and, and this is from the Igroka Kodesh, where, where the Baltanya writes, uh, these are letters some of the letters that were collected. It's very popular today. You have letters collected from the Rebbe, for instance. There's no end to the growth that are published. They're from the Riyats. They have, they have in the literature world, you have the letters of Chaim Moise the letters of the Chazal Nish, etc. Uh, so I'm quoting from the Igeret HaKodesh, the standard edition, it's at the end of Yud, Igeret Yud, in the standard edition of the Tanya, it's on page 230. And uh, 
here the Baltanya seems to differ with the Gemara and everything we're talking about and giving Staka. And I have to tell you, this Baltanya is very insightful, uh, fortunate and unfortunate. He hits upon a real problem in the Torah world and a real problem right now in Israel. And, and what is he saying? So the Balkanya says, I'm paraphrasing, but it's right there. By the way, there's an English translation among many English. I have here the translation of, I think it's uh, Rabbi Yosef Weinberg and Rabbi Shalom B. Weinberg. And it's edited, the translation's edited by Uri Kaplan. Uri Kaplan I actually knew. We worked together in the Judaica 52 years ago. And it's a very interesting translation, but Baruch Hashem, I can summarize it very simply. And, and here, you, you open up, uh, it was Reish Chaydish. Tell me, on Reish Chaydish you have kabonot, different kabonot, different numbers, different everything. Shabbat, you said kabonot yesterday, right or wrong, what they, they say, krivolofanecha. And then we pray to God, we should be back in Israel, the kabonot, and then you have the kabonot. And, and you take a Sukkot and uh, Pesach, everything, Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, everything is different. Everything has a shear, has a measurement. You can't bring more, you can't bring less, right or wrong. When it comes to Tzedakah, uh, the, the, the Baltanya says, yes, if you're a normal person and you haven't sinned, so you don't give more than a fifth. But what about someone who's a sinner? She, and, 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 and not Misha lo chata, but, or Misha tikein chata'av v'sigufim v'taniyad, who he already managed to improve his life. He, he's fasted, he, he, he punished himself, so he doesn't have to give, he gives only a fifth. And while this is so powerful, tell me when you're ill, do you try to save money? Do you make cheshbonah? How much money is being spent? People are ill. I know in Israel they look up at a certain type of cancer. Lo Try to find out which hospital in America or in the world is the expert in that type of cancer. And then they raise funds here. I know people, $40,000, $50,000. I don't want to mention any names. Oh, what they do. Many times it's worthless. It doesn't help. I had a friend, my best friend actually, and he had a very unique illness, Kogan syndrome. And they diagnosed it here in, in all of Israel they know of only five cases since 1948. And they diagnosed and told them basically there's nothing they can do but what to do and, uh, you know, to keep functioning. And he bought time. He bought time, but ultimately the medicine 
that they diagnosed uh, destroyed his body. And he went. He had contact, a well-known professor, well-known family. And he went all over the world to the biggest doctors. What money that was spent. And ultimately he came back here and they told him, <laughs> they told him in, in America, in the biggest places, exactly what they told him in Hadassah and Karim. But you don't, when, when you're ill, you do everything to save a life. Tell me, you don't make cheshbonot. You don't start thinking, where am I going to get this money? I'm going to get, how am I going to pay back? What am I going to do? I'm going to go public. I'm going to, if you know these, the, the websites, Arut Sheva or, or Yeshiva World News, I told, I think I said it in class, or I said it maybe when I spoke publicly at the Sheva Brachas, I said it hurts me to go to these websites because there's so much bad news. People pleading for money, this illness, that illness. I want to go to a website like the New York Yankees and see Narishkeit and get away from the world. Uh, ah, so, Baltanya says that if you're fighting to save your soul, you can give away everything. And uh, this is the Baltanya. Not easy for Rabbanasha Klein to dismiss the Baltanya. You understand what I'm saying? For Rakefet, it's easy. I'm a Litvak, all right? I respect Hasidus. I love the, the Rebbe. I love Chabad. I understand Chabad. I appreciate Chabad. I can teach Likutei uh, Torah. I can teach uh, Tanya. But uh, I'm still an outsider looking in. I'm not an insider looking out. But Rebbe Nasha Klein is an insider looking out. And you have to deal with realism here. And you see what you're touching upon leads us to contemporary Israeli news. Our generation, and again I've said this so many times, I repeat it again, I grew up in the Bronx. I'm a third generation Bronxite. My grandparents, my parents, myself. My parents were born in Harlem, but at an early age they moved to the Bronx. As a matter of fact, I grew up on Washington Avenue, the same Washington Avenue that my father grew up on. He grew up a little bit more downtown, and as the neighborhoods would change, that went first. I grew up further north, but I grew up on the same Washington Avenue, six blocks from where my father grew up. If I can make it more meaningful, at least uh, I hope the older students here will appreciate it. Hank Greenberg grew up around the corner from my father. Uh, 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 oh my God! Zach, does that mean is it Hank Greenberg? Do Ken Steppers from Hank Greenberg? Hammering Hank? Baruch Hashem, you heard of him, okay? The Rebbe suffers when he talks about him because he should have been a from guy, and, and uh, he uh, after his parents were Shema Mitzvah, Shema Shabbos, we lost the entire generation. Anyway, I grew up in the Bronx, over seven hundred thousand Jews. How many were from? I don't know if he had 10 families outside of the deep east Bronx that were Shema Shabbos. And, and uh, our generation is a generation of Balei Tshufa. But then you come to the delicate question. How far do you go? Where do you draw the line? Where do you stabilize? And this question haunts us. Those of you that are involved with outreach, and I have a lot to say on this, I can't now go in when I go to my lectures on the Muslim movement. You'll see what I did there. 
hit the nail on the head. But this is, you see with the, with the lover, are they normal or not normal? Okay? Look at Berlin, then there's a YU connection, there's Mochutten is my good friend, Rabbi Goldblum, their children are married. Oh, my. Would we have a dream? And remember, I know a little bit about responsible literature. Loa Moritzenach, I'm the first one in the world who started courses in responsible literature uh, 50 plus years ago already. Because when I came there, I was free to develop my own teaching on what I want to teach. It's a collegiate level, then postgraduate. And, uh, well, we have some pretty bad stories in response to literature. New Mark, what's the worst that I've ever covered? The Nodabi Yehuda. I always, I always, you know, people often covered it today. I don't know from me or elsewhere, but uh, the Nodabi Yehuda writes about how right he would write about me, how Rav Hagon, it's Sadiq, and this and that. And the guy, why did he turn to the Nodabi Yehuda? He, he got married. You live in your in-laws' house in those days. Do you understand what that means? No. You're in the guessing I don't know what it means. It's in Yiddish. But why cast? I don't know. It must mean you, your in-laws support you. So you keep on learning. They wouldn't call them like today where you can learn in a kolel. When I went to YU, there were no kolel. Outside of one kolel for the Shanghai survivors who hadn't integrated into America, Rabbi Belkin did a chesed for them. So uh, the guy had a two-year affair with his mother-in-law. Two years. It's not hard to understand. You fall in love with a certain woman. She looks just like his mother-in-law, the mother-in-law and the daughter-in-law. That's the worst. Did we have a dream that from Jews would murder other Jews, L'shem Shammai? Murder? No, nothing. What am I talking about? You're living in Israel or you're not living in Israel? So many arrests, and they're ready to have a state witness. And uh, one of the ladies says, I was a young girl, then she was used to attract the boy. I don't want to go into more detail, it's vulgar, but it's the technique that the Shinbet uses, that the Mossad uses, that men fall for all the time. A siren, a pretty woman, and uh, you're done, you're finished. God have mercy. Yetzalei Vadam Raminu Rav. And you look at some of the wrestlers, are they normal? They're getting on top of cars, singing, dancing. All right? Some are normal. Some stress the simcha. Mitzvah liot besimcha tamid, kolam kulu geshet samiyod, right or wrong? Where do you draw the line? You look at some of the Chabadniks. My Talmud and Chabad gave me Musa, ripped me apart. Why? Ready! You shouldn't have been there. I was in the last place I ever visited, then I, outside of New York, and I, who knows if I'll ever visit any place again now, was Venice. And I tell everyone, if you're going to go to one place in the world, go to Venice, because it's amazing to see the, uh, how they live there. It's a city on, on water, on everything. The bu- you go to a bus, it's a, it's a boat, a boat. It's, it's just beyond... It's really different. Otherwise, everything else is the same all over the world. It's, uh, you can you can understand it's you know, all that's different is the language, but uh, the the weather, but Venice. 
So in the ghetto, the Jewish ghetto, there are four shuls, but there are three of them are just tourist attractions. One of the three will open Shabbos, they join together, they don't have a big minion there, but there's a Chabad Kolel in Venice, and they have a minion every day. And right there, it's 770 on the Arn Kaidish, the Rebbe's picture, but we had no choice, and it's a normal minion, it's tourists, and some of the guys learning there, I hope, are not messianics. And even if I didn't want to dominate minion, my son-in-law who took us, he dominates every day at minion. I haven't, I have outside of Corona, I haven't missed the minion in 50, 60 years, 60 years plus already. Can I in her? I haven't, outside of Corona, Corona did a Sunday, there was a lockdown, total lockdown. So uh, my Talmudim gave me, Rebbe, you davened at the Messianic and you spoke about it in class and how frightened you were of the Arnkaidish and that. You shouldn't have davened there. Davened the Yechidit. Those are right, they're normal guys. But then there's some Bratnachim. Have you ever spoken to a Messianist? Oh my gosh, I have spoken to some. Sick, sick, and sicker brainwashed, cult. Where do you draw the line? I have to tell you what the Baltanya touches upon is a real life query. And uh, as I've said more than once, I said it in class, the joker is that you're Makar of a kid to Yiddishkeit. And I had one kid at the cult till 1970. I meet him at the Kotel, and this was my Talmud from America. And he gives me Musa, I'm wearing a kippah ruga. You understand? You're Makar of the kid. A few years later, he's not eating in your house. It's not my heksha. Shemitah, the whole question, you're invited to a house where there's Shomach on the Hetamachira. All right? Shomach on Paschal, eat, don't make problems. It's Yeshom Milesmoch. But uh, how far do you go? Where do you draw the line? Now you should know with that kid who gave me Musa in 1970, in the early 90s, I had a lot of nachat. Of course, I have some wealthy friends and I'm invited to the King David. And there I am eating in the King David and uh, this wealthy friend of mine who, you know, to throw around a million dollars as child's play for him. And he says to me, Aaron, see that guy there? He just gave MTA, I think it was $20 million, whatever. And I say, yeah, you know, the guy talking to him is my student. And then they come over to me. And my friend, you know, my friend gets all impressed with the $20 million gentleman who just gave, and ah, they're, they're talking money. And my student, who's no pauper, says to me, he introduces me to the $20 million guy, and he says, this is my Rebbe, the greatest expert in the world in response to literature. I say to him, how do you know what I know? He says, Rebbe, I listened to your recordings. That's before Why You Torah. I, I, I listened to Nordlich. I, Milton Nordlich was something, I always sent three recordings back to America every year. I hugged him, I kissed him, I said, Baruch Hashem, you grew up. Suddenly the Kippas Ruga became a strangle. Got it? In his eyes. 
In my eyes, we're still the same Kippashvika. Okay? But where do you draw the line? But to our question, it's a very delicate question now. You have it now. A kid comes to you and he says, Rebbe, I've become a Shemesh Shabbos. Your Shurim inspired me. I want to do tshuva. Doing tshuva? Natana Taker, isn't Stucker a big role of tshuva? It's Stucker. I have in the bank $50,000. I want to give it all away to any charity you tell me. How will you respond? That's exactly the question here. And this is the Baltanya, and, and you, you'll see that Menashe Klein uh, can't dismiss the Baltanya. But on the other hand, you have a responsibility and life, normal. What do you do if you, he gives away all the money and he becomes an umglik? You know what an umglik means in Yiddish? A tragedy. Tragic. I think the New York Times already has used the word. It may be in Webster's International. An umglik. I've had that more than once. People come to me. Uh, it hurts. It hurts. Bale tshuva. They don't go to college. They drop out of college. And then they marry. And suddenly they have children. Their wives can't work anymore. What do you do for Panasa? And here you come to the conflict. Lakewood versus the rough of that era, I don't say today, today it's a different, Lakewood is not Lakewood, YU is not YU, it's a different story today. But this is what Rabbi Menashe Klein is referring to. And these sources cannot be dismissed. And he, once again, as much as a person will give to save himself physically, and he says it, even if it will cost him all his money, he will say, save me, give it away, and save me. Could be to save your life, you have to give away a lot of money. But nevertheless, one has to live a normal, balanced life. And this is what the insurance policy is all about. Now, one of the problems he touches upon, and we'll see next week in detail, next week's share is uh, a real atomic bomb as far as material and, we're, and we ju we'll just be scratching the surface because what, what Rabbi Meisha leads us into and here there's allusion to it by Rabbi Menashe Klein is an ongoing question that you can deal with sources for at least one year worth of lectures I've written about it and I've alluded to it and believe me I've only scratched the surface. I deal with it, obviously, in Revel. I deal with it in Silva. I deal with it in some of my published scholarship, which I put out in Rakhafet Aron. And I deal with it in um, uh, Washington, obviously. Uh, and, and this is very simple. And, and now, wait a minute, Revel. You're saying an insurance policy is normal, and it's important to provide for your wife, for your children. All right. 
I want to take you seriously. The more I work, the more money I have, the better I can provide. Well, let's talk about an insurance policy. Remember I mentioned last week when, when I uh, turned by mitzvah, my parents bought me a $10,000 insurance policy. I, I still have that same policy until today. I never bought any more. Baruch Hashem. I survived financially. And when I say that, don't think I'm playing games. We had very hard years here. Very hard. I worked very hard at two full-time teaching jobs, which was illegal. Only allowed a job and a half, but all right, they worked the Jewish agency, doesn't tell the government, the government doesn't tell the Jewish agency. Baruch Hashem. But the taxes, the loans that were alive and breathing after Yom Kippur was a miracle. Baruch Hashem. I know people who bought insurance policies a million dollars. I don't know what the limit is, they'll sell you. They have to check you out. They have to be sure you're not going to buy a policy and later they disappear, commit suicide. All right, if I understand policies, they don't have to pay if they can prove you committed suicide. You can correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm told that there are policies. They're not idiots, the insurance companies. Well, let's say you want to buy a million-dollar policy. You go to the company, I'm 31 years of age. I'm 41 years of age. I have a wife. I have four children. I want a million-dollar policy. Fine. They check you out health-wise, mentally. Fine. Give the okay. You got to pay a million-dollar policy. I don't know what the premium is. $20,000 a year, $30,000 a year. So you got to work harder. Torah matechei olecha. When are you going to study Torah? When are you going to study Torah? Zach, the more the polite, I is a, is, a, is a bad example. I woke up this morning, 4 o'clock every morning. Start learning. By the time I go to shul, I've already touched three sedurim, Tanach, Nach, now I'm, now I'm t- in Torah actually, Dat Mikra. I did all of Nach, Dat Mikra, Mishnah, Aruch HaShulchan. I'll have a scene soon on all of Aruch HaShulchan. I'm in Chayshim Mishpat now. And I start Gemara. Gemara I'll finish up later in the day. I, Whatever. I don't want to clue you in in all my secrets, but Aruch Hashem. And then I'm preparing Shehurim. I'm always learning. Even this morning I have new material for next week. I uncovered in my learning and Machlekes Rashi and there's fascinating material. But normal people work. The more they work, the more they earn. The more they earn, the more they save. The more they pay for life insurance, the more they have. The guy had a million dollars and now his business has expanded. He's in heavy real estate. Take on another million dollars. Where do you draw the line? How do you know? Where do you draw the line? We find a shalalem. And this, this is where Menashe Klein is very powerful, he says. As much as I tell you to live in a normal fashion and have life insurance, but 
within reason. It has to be limited because the Yetzirah can start to work you over and tell you the more you work, the more you have, the more money. And I have to tell you, I heard this. I, I, as I mentioned, I have some wealthy friends. How do I have wealthy friends? My grandsons, two of my grandsons, when they were little. My grandsons, today, my grandchildren today are older than I am, but uh, when they were little. So two of them, Roe and Yosef, said to Malk and myself, how can you have such wealthy friends? I mean, look at the money they have. You know, these people, one of them only gives the Rebbe, used to give the Rebbe a million dollars a year. That's just to the Rebbe alone. And today he gives his cousin, it's part of it, doesn't matter. The other one gave YU, he was chairman of, of Reitz, he was chairman of Bernard Rebel, he was chairman of the high school. Hey, that, you don't be, you, that doesn't go for nothing, all right? And what he built in Sharei Chesed, and what he built out in the Gush, Hey, yes, some wealthy friends. So uh, I told my grandchildren an open Gemara, according to Yushalmi Nazir, Betzel HaChachma, Betzel HaKesef. You know what I'm talking about? The Nazir and where to bring Kabbalah. So uh, Rav Shimon ben Shatach was matir, half of them found the Petach, and they, did, they were not Nazirim, they were Shoel al the Nazirat. But he went to the king, to give money for the others. And the king got angry when he found out you were mate, half of them didn't cost you anything. And I had to wind up paying for all the kabarnat of 150 people, I think it was. So he answered, but said, quoting the Pasuk Mishnah, but ha-chachma. What does it mean? The wealthy friends of mine have what I don't have, money. And I have what they don't have, knowledge. So we complement each other. You follow me? They want knowledge, I give it to them. I want money, I give them a cause. All right, they contribute, Baruch Hashem. All right, good word. Where do you draw the line? And I have to tell you, one of these two people would give me the devil. Aaron, you, you don't protect yourself. You don't, you need a business manager. He would cite to me Rabbi Beryl Wine. Look how he has a whole business and you, you know his lectures and his tapes and his books and it all costs money. And you, you give it all away. Right or wrong? Did I have a charge for my tapes, my lectures? I'm that this guy. They're now republishing someone in America, a Talmud of mine via the internet for years already, decades. So I wrote back, I'm the happiest person in the world that someone is benefiting from my shayurim, my chidushim, my insights. I don't, I don't take a, a penny. It, any profit, it goes to Shvetami, goes so Yomo's cousins can become Tomide Chachamim. Do you understand what I'm saying? But where do you drive along? The other person there did even worse. Mark, this you don't know. He offered me and Chaim Salavechik, my classmate. He said to both of us, to him and then afterwards to me, I will support you for two years. I want you to study with, I think it's called Berkshire Investments. Uh, one of the biggest successful, this guy he talks about the voodoo there 
It's a guy, he's not Jewish, but he's an Ohio Israel. He bought, he has investments here in Israel. Berkshire Hathaway? Whatever it's called, Berkshire Hathaway, whatever. Look it up, you'll get the name of, of the guy. Warren Buffett. Mean anything to you? Okay. Two years you go study with him. And you be a multimillionaire. And on the spot I said, it's not for me. I can't leave the classroom. And he said to me, you're crazy. Just like Chai says, Chai gave me exactly the same answer, except he didn't say he can't leave the class, can't leave his research. You follow? So where do you draw the line? Elliot, if you can answer the question black and white, you have achieved something no one has achieved until now. But the answer is, these are the challenges of life. And where I draw the line is not where you're going to draw the line, and where you're going to draw the line is not where you're going to draw the line, but it has to be balanced, it has to be with seichel, it has to be a synthesis in your life between bitachon and between hishtaklot. And, and here he says something, something beautiful. And uh, again, if anyone knows me, this is where I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit different than the masses. Uh, I have my own opinion and my own outlook, but I never say everyone else is wrong. It works for me. Everyone has to find their own derech, their own shvil, their own understanding of what Torah is about. The halacha demands, commands respect. It's the frame. But the picture is what you paint. It's individualistic. And he says, not only normal people, regular people, in the midst of life, in the midst of daily activity, have to leave time to study Torah. For kol shekein b'nei Torah ha-mesulaim mipaz evrachim b'nei ha-kolel u-b'nei yeshivat asher Torah-tam u-manatam v'yoshvim al ha-Torah v'al ha-avodah. And he says, these people, they're learning Torah day and night. They're the future. They don't have to buy life insurance yet. You have to remain in pure learning. Let the yeshiva support you. Let the kolo support you. But at that moment in life, you're not ready yet to buy life insurance. And this leads us to the whole question. It's the basic problem that we face in Israeli society. The army. You kids grew up, where'd you go to high school? Where'd you go to high school? Natan, where'd you go to high school? TRS. Woodmere. Woodmere. What's TRS? Can you throw it out? The Hebrew Academy of Long Beach High School. Hebrew Academy of Long Beach. Okay. After high school, you came to Israel. Where'd you come? I went to Eish HaTorah. Eish HaTorah. And then you went to YU. Uh, well, I was in Baruch at college. In that Baruch. Area. Did you serve in the Israeli army? No. I don't know where there's a tour for you not to have served. Milchemet Mitzvah, the Gemara in Salta, Hilchat Malachim, Perik Zion. Where are you? Where are you? 
Zach, did you serve in the army? Where'd you go to high school? A loud cloud? Bergen County, Torah County. Boy, we're getting everyone except MTA. Where'd you study in Israel? The good guy, you have it made. Then Yeshiva The army's the real big problem here. And, and on the other hand, how can we pull out a kid at 17? He's just starting to learn. And yet if we don't serve in the army, what that's like? I pay taxes, my neighbor says, I don't pay taxes. Understand, it's, it causes, Lieberman has made a career out of enmity and hatred, and the Israeli people, yeah, a good deal buy it, a good deal buy it. So where do we draw the line? Yeshiva Hester. Do they turn out Gedolei Yisrael? Well, Baruch Hashem. Do they turn out the same percentage of Gedolei Yisrael as the old? Classic yeshiva. Interesting question. A lot has been studied, a lot has been written. Yesh for yesh. But see, these are real problems that we live with. And we struggle with. And I don't know, in this building, I may be the only one who not only served in the IDF, but actually did basic training. Because right after the Yom Kippur War, until the Yom Kippur War, they didn't call up Americans because the State Department objected. But with the Yom Kippur War, they called up anyone who could walk on two feet up to the age of 39. So if you open up Washington, you'll see the pin-up picture of Rakefit and basic training. That was a big big success here at BMT. I had to print up about a, a hundred copies. Everyone wanted a copy of the picture. Today I could Xerox it, but then it was, uh, I printed up a hundred copies and gave it out with a smile. Baruch Hashem. I served in the army. You know what the army is about. And, uh, did more than serve, but that's for another time. And all my sons-in-law served, and all my grandsons, without exception, and one grandson is a career officer. One son-in-law is a career officer. <coughs> so you see, <coughs> he is struggling. He's a down-to-earth guy, Rabbi Nasha Klein. He survived the Holocaust. <coughs> Excuse me. He lives in Brooklyn. He knows what life is about. He later had a branch in Ramat that still exists and thrives. But uh, the Baltanya is the Baltanya. You give anything for a doctor to heal you. Your soul needs to be healed. Stucca helps. All right. Remember what Rakefit said, that we don't like Nazir, it has to bring a carbon chakat. But the concept of Nazir is there if you need it, if you desire it. And he, and he says, and certainly yeshiva boys, kolil, yunga light, altigabahem. And this is, he's absolutely right. If we don't learn Torah, if we don't master Torah, you know, I always say a, a kid gets smicha from YU, what did he learn? A hundred dafka, my time is it. You got smicha with your old beginners, well, a hundred dafka mara, and you're a daya. All right, today I think they require more as far as the halacha goes. I don't know if they require a hundred dafka mara. 
And I, I remember a European uh, uh, Talmud Chacham who had come to America in the 30s, Rabbi Israel Goldblum, Zeichet Tzadik Lebracha, so he was rabbi in East Orange. I was rabbi in uh, Maplewood. Maplewood is right next to South Orange. So I remember he told me when he went in for his Bechina, he, he had a hundred Daf Gemara, no problem, but he had Megillah and Tainit, and the Rav got angry and said, it's not for you, a hundred daf in these type of mesechta. It's not for European Talmidei You learned in Europe already. An American kid who can barely learn, all right, a shvachinka, a weak kid, so he'll come in with a hundred daf on the easy mesechta. But uh, you don't want to stop learning. And imagine a kid in there, and by the way, and there have been scandals in the yeshiva world where suddenly they come in and they tell them stories. If anyone tells you, invest $100 with me and I'll get you 20% interest, run as far as you can, because it's impossible. There was a big scandal here in the early 80s, the North American Bank. It was here in your time, the North American Bank. The, the president was Rabbi Kupin's Chavruta from Chevron. And I uh, had a friend invested there, and they, they were giving him double the amount. It was a Ponzi scheme. And then the bank went mohula, and anyone who had it in the official part of the bank got back every penny. The government made good. Anyone in the unofficial got nothing back, but the government changed its rules that had a tremendous impact that if you're a trustee in a bank, you're personally responsible for the money. And from that point on, if a bank plays games, the trustees are sued. They have to come up with the money. They've tightened it. It's, uh, you, you don't find the Israeli banks playing games, at least not in Israel. There was a whole thing here in the 90s with the American banks, which resulted in a, a whole different situation. If anyone born in America is mocked, and they got to be sure you're not laundering money, and you're not doing this or that, we punish but doesn't matter. Baruch Hashem. But these are delicate questions. Okay. Here, towards the end of the tshuva, this is classic Rabbi Menashe Klein. And uh, Rabbi Menashe Klein here uh, comes up with some chidushe Torah. You can take it uh, with a smile or take it very seriously. He says... That uh, the fact that you work, the fact that you uh, take life insurance, it's uh, God is going to keep you alive in order to support your family. In other words, and here you get involved in the whole question of the interconnection of the individual and his family. Uh, it, what do we mean by that? I mean, I can show you the Musser implications. When, when someone s suffers, or I'll put it this way. Uh, I had a case. Let me give you a real case in the rabbinate. I come, uh, I wish the story went true. I was a young kid. What I, what I experienced, I, second stella, I was all of 24. When I uh, read Washington, you'll understand what I'm talking about. And I now come to Maplewood, South Orange, first rabbi ever. They want to build an Orthodox shul. And we barely have a minion. The doctor who founded the shul of al uh people who we operated on would drive up in Shabbos to help make the minion. 
And we had a levy. And the levy, I couldn't believe it, spoke a little Hebrew. A kid from the Bronx grew up in the Bronx, born in the Bronx. Typical story. Don't want to mention his name, although I certainly could. You look it up in the New York Times. A few weeks after the shul gets underway, he's on the front page of the New York Times. Dash, dash, his name of Maplewood, New Jersey. Arrested. First they arrested him on counterfeit money. He was involved with the mafia. And uh, they were counterfeiting money. Newark was a big mafia. And the mafia and the Jews, uh, some of the Jews cooperated hand in hand on all levels. Kashrut and counterfeiting. A few weeks later, he's involved in the Bayesian Company $2 million stock theft. This is, you know, 1962. $2 million then was like a place today, $60 million. Who knows how much. Uh, then, after he's already arrested and everything, uh, he was running a still in Pennsylvania with the mafia. Uh, if I start telling you the story now, it'll, it won't end. But to be very brief, when sentencing came, I, came, I, I sent in a brief to the parole officer, presented it to the judge. I met with the parole officer, actually. And uh, I said, look, that the man is a criminal, he's a criminal. And, uh, but he has a nice wife and two children. They're going to suffer. And the judge actually quoted me when he pronounced sentence, seven years for each charge, but to run concomitantly, not consecutively. I'll come back to it in a second. Just let me make the point. This is an interesting point. Elamunah, we say that God is, the Rabbi Yisrael Salamta made this point, that there's total tzedek to God. What does that mean? Salamta said, because when a person suffers, a person is punished, it affects his family. God has to take in consideration the family as well as the individual. So, and, and this carries out right down the line of uh, children, why do children die young, parents, children, and this is a tremendous theological question. But one thing is for sure that if male Tzidung is sick, it may not affect me personally, but if my father, my mother, etc., it certainly affects me personally. So Rabbi Menashe Klein says here that HaKadosh Baruch Hu will keep you alive because your family needs support. So with this in mind, he develops an idea. If you live normally, make a living, pay life insurance, Adarabba, the Adarabba, God will keep you alive so your wife and children shouldn't suffer. More than that, and, and he says this, I'm quoting him, you can look it up, more than that, that uh, the insurance companies will pray for you to keep alive. They don't want to pay out the money. The longer you live, the more money they make. Adaraba, 
בעלי חברות הביטוח מתפללים עליו שלא ימות כדי שלא יצטרכו לשלם הפלסי, הביטוח. I don't know. Anyone here work for a life insurance company? Shlomo, find out whether they daven every day, pray every day. A general service for Jews, Protestants, Catholics. Keep alive all the people. And then he says, and not only that, you can depend upon the Chavrat Pituach. Shehem balei hatzlacha ומזלם יגרום שלא ימות כדי שלא יתרע לכם חפשת. וואו, you understand what he's saying? That the חבר'ה גדול, they're multi-millionaires, right? You own an insurance company. You're not a pauper, right? You have analysts, you have people who are experts. They tell you, you know, person this age, how long he'll live according to the statistics, what to charge, how to make profit, where to invest it. And Rebbeinu Shalom, could you imagine the Chavra Bituach? They're much liach. They don't want to lose money. And and if if you keep on paying your policy, they will pray that you should live in dignity. And uh, Mark, uh, believe me, Rebbeinu Feinstein wouldn't write this. But this is Reb Menashe Klein. It's a Hasidic world. He looks. It's a little deeper. He's playing. It's unbelievable. And and Tzadik Hayiti Begamza Kanti Vlaoni Tzadik Zezov Zadom Mavakesh Lachem. So I have to tell you, if I mention it, I had the slut. The name Mr. Mendel Gottesman mean anything to you? The Gottesman Library. Did you read? the Bernard Revel, Rothkopf's work, Bernard Revel, first, the second, third, and fourth edition, every edition has who that man was. So I had the schut, and maybe one of the last living, if not the last, God have mercy, have time, marches on. I was a Gottesman fellow. Aaron Lichtenstein was a Gottesman fellow. I was a Gottesman fellow. We got, every month got a check we should be able to learn in yeshiva, have money, not worry about money, etc. And once a year in his yotzeit, there was a dinner, a hilula, what we call in Hasidus, and uh, his son, Benjamin Gottesman, spoke. So I remember I heard from Benjamin in the name of his father. My father used to say, what's this we say in Benson? Now he's going to lay tzadigah, but we do see people hungry. He said, no, my father touched up and if I ever saw a pious Jew who needed help, I always helped. No, I didn't leave him alone. I helped him. And his family should succeed, should thrive. That's what Mr. Gottesman said about the end of Benching. Ah, what a credit. All right, I'll tell you the golden story. Mark, I was told I'm not allowed to charge you. I got an email from the IOU. Remember you bought the IOU last week? Because when I recovered from corona, I said from now on there's no IOU list. So I can't even charge you for this, but this is worth it. And boy, 
Is it a true story? I write it up in Washington. When the gentleman who went to jail, uh, seven years went by, he was due for parole, or six years went by, or maybe he got out early, good behavior. So uh, he died in jail. Whether he died natural causes or the FBI figured better to get rid of him now than to live. So then comes the funeral. May have been the last funeral I officiated at the United States. You can find the grave, by the way. It's right near the bus stop on Main Street, right in the other side of the fence. And uh, I eulogized him. And I spoke about, it was Moshe Rabbeinu, was the Seder, and I spoke about how he saw the promised land, but he never entered, meaning he was ready to be paroled, but he never achieved that. I made it connection to Funeral is over and we're standing in Mount Hebron Cemetery, Kew Gardens Hills, Main Street. All my grandparents, my children's great-grandparents, great-grandparents, everyone is buried there. Everyone beyond our parents who are buried in Israel. And I hear his brother and sister, or two brothers and sister, murmuring I don't want to use the word I heard them use. What a dash the rabbi is. That man was a disgrace to us and the family. I walked over. I walked over. And I said to them, you're a little upset with my uh, eulogy, aren't you? Well, rabbi, if you're saying so, Tell me, your brother was arrested the first time. I saw the sheet. The parole officer showed me his whole record. 1942. Went to jail three years. Got out. Tell me, where was your brother from 46 to 1950? And they say, Rabbi, we don't know. He disappeared. We didn't give a damn. He was a criminal. I said, let me tell you where your brother was. And that's what my eulogy was about. Your brother worked for the Mossad. He was a major. He was in Egypt. And at that moment, while they're standing there, thinking I'm an outer space moron, I called over the widow. I said, can you open your purse and show them your husband's identity from the Mossad. She opens the purse, she pulls it out. Believe me, four or five more people fainted on the ground. Thank God they didn't fall into the ground in Mount Helton Cemetery. And the tragedy of their life was she already bought a Frigidaire. It wasn't like today. Israel was very primitive. And they were ready to come. He was, she was ready to join him. And he held back. He was afraid. They'll never... They didn't know, you know, they didn't know Hebrew that well, which really wasn't the problem. Everyone spoke English. It was the English protectorate. And they were just afraid. They wouldn't adjust. Let's spend a few years in America and make money. And then we'll go on Aliyah. He came back to America. And... Uh, so what his friends had achieved, then he got involved with the mafia to make up for the money. 
Gentlemen, the story doesn't end there. You're, you're trying not to be involved in outreach? Never forget what I'm about to tell you. What about you, Zach? Or you're just happy to be a good Jew and take it further? All right, we need both. This lady knew very little of Yiddishkeit. Typical Jews born in America from homes that were European homes knew something, but nothing. Years later, she remarried. She was in love with her first husband. She wrote to me whether she should remarry, and I always tell people life has to go on. She remarried. She visited Israel in the 70s. And she had been very good to us. Uh, I can tell you when we sold our home in Maplewood, the Italian realtor who she worked for refused to take one penny of royalty, he said, in honor of the rabbi going to Israel. It's every penny is his. So we had her over with Sukkot, and they knew absolutely nothing about a Sukkot, maybe in the first time this man who she remarried, also a Yiddish mensch born in America, sat in a sukkah. <laughs> Many years went by, and in this very building, the kid in BMT, don't want to mention his name, but it's no shame, came over to me and said, Rebbe, I think you know my grandfather. I said, what are you talking about? He's married to Mildred. I don't I'm not mentioning last names, but really halakhically I can mention them. There's nothing wrong here. It's, I said, Mildred, your grandfather? Yeah. You're a from kid, a good kid. Yeshiva graduate. He said, Rebbe, my father was a survivor, Hungarian. Family came, Munkaj Sakma. He met this nice girl. I forget if it was on campus or in Twerk. And they fell in love. And he said, in order to marry me, you have to be Shomrei, Shomerit Shabbat. You have to learn what it's about. And she agreed. And this kid was not only my student in BMT, but one of the most brilliant students I ever had in the Kollel. He married a Talmidav mine from Machon Gold. And there was Zeichel HaKim, Bayit Mumbi Israel, in the full sense of the word. What a story. Again, it all comes back to the Gemara and Nida. The Malach learned with us. We have that ability. It's inborn. And the other part of it is, we have four bears that are pleading with the Rebbeinu Shalom. Shelo yidach mimenu nidach. Something should remain. I want to express muscle tough to our dear student, Barak Beda. Are his parents coming for the Brit? 
and no problem now getting in. They have to just show good, good, good. My sister-in-law missed the wedding. She's coming for Hanukkah to meet everyone. I want to thank you for giving me the ability to give this shear and bring it back. Believe me, I didn't come in thinking I would speak about what I spoke about now, and it brings back such warm, important memories. And who knows, uh, you know, even from the daughter, there was that family, it was a son and a daughter. Who knows where they are today? One of my great thrills was, you know, in Maplewood, there was not one from family at first. And one family, I remember, I was Makarov, whatever, they joined the shoe, but they were far from Torah as we know it. <coughs> And they were in my Talmud Torah, and two of the children from the shul married. A boy and a girl who met when Talmud Torah grew up. And decades later, I get an email, whyutorah.org. He's a Ben Torah listening to my Sheyurim. So you'll see, you never know what comes out of a little effort. You'll see from my Shurim tomorrow, from the Rebetzin, there's one story that's overwhelming overwhelming. I believe we'll hit it tomorrow. Okay, so I want to reiterate. First of all, I apologize to all the people listening around the world, but I'm looking at, I have a, a big classroom today. It's spread out. It's so the whole room is filled. I wish I could show it to you, but all right, we're not going to bring a video camera into here. Uh, you're almost signaling me to turn it around. If I'll stop turning it around, I'll break the whole connection, so let it be. Uh, uh, a, a big, a big classroom. Vic, uh, oh, Vic, you're looking, you're looking at me. So it's not the elevator we have to worry about. Let's see tomorrow how it goes. And what did we do today? All right, we're we're in the life insurance. We finished <laughs> Reb Menashe Klein, and I love the ending that the life insurance. And you read it. Jack Levenstein will testify. It's right there. The Rebbe's not making it up. The life insurance companies will pray for us. And, and, and they're very successful, he says. And, and if they pray, it's going to work. All right, look, I've reached, I'm going to, the Hanukkah, I turn 84, can I in Hara? Before, what is it, Hanukkah, this year's early. I don't know which birthday is earlier. The, the, you know, we all have two birthdays, the Geisher and, and the Torah birthday. Uh, so maybe I reached it because they're praying for me for that $10,000 life insurance policy. But what I'm saying, Mark, but the question of how much time to put in and, and what to do about life. And you can have, a, a today, a $100,000 life. $100,000 doesn't go far. And a and million dollars, today a million dollars doesn't go far. I can tell you a story. A rabbi, was, his contract was not renewed after 10 years. I have, I have a lot of Akhmas in telling you this story. He died later of the heartache. I knew the right death. See, he became too from. What does it mean too from? He didn't change, but now there was Chovevei Torah. They can get already a rabbi that's Chovevei Torah and more like us, an American and light orthodox or modern, whatever they call it, etc., etc. And so when I met some of the Balabatangas, this was from my area where I was the first orthodox shul, I said, how did you do a thing like that? The man was with you 10 years from a wonderful family, a wonderful... All right, so he's from, big deal. So you, you want your rabbi to be a tzaddik as far as I'm concerned. 
So they all went, well, you have no right. We, let, we gave him a million dollars severance pay. Yeah, but they didn't tell you that he had about six or seven children left, had a big family, to send to university, to send to college. All right, now you make the cheshwin what college cost, but someone from graduate school and college and graduate, we finally show you. A million dollars is peanuts. Yes, Mark? So when he talks about, let's say, a non-Jewish uh, insurance company praying, did he get into who they're praying to? No, he doesn't get involved in that. But uh, as far as Rep. Menashe Klein would be concerned, it could very well be, no matter who they're praying to, even the Shilush, but at least God is in there. And the whole question of Shilush, as I said, is, a, is an open issue. All right. Uh, I, also, yeah. Is that the story you once told me where the uh, federal prison had to get a translator because you were... Yeah, right, right, right. Correct, correct, correct. He was so smart in prison that he corresponded with me in Hebrew. His Hebrew, he had basic Hebrew. He worked for the Mossad. And uh, basic Hebrew, he went to Talmud Torah in the Bronx and uh, he corresponded doctor in Hebrew to draw attention to the fact he's corresponding with his rabbi. And they had to bring in a local rabbi who knew Hebrew to translate, pay him. And, and, and that played a role in getting him out, I think it was at the end of six years instead of the full seven or five and a half years, whatever. But it was my final year there. This happened in 62, and, and his funeral had to be in early 69. So you're absolutely right. That's the story. All right, I want to sign up into we meet again on health and happiness. Das for Danya witness tomorrow, Shia, for all the crowd that came to hear the Rebbitson in Madison Square Garden. Okay, until we meet again on health and happiness. Das for Danya. Are there, uh, throw it open. Okay, one second. <sighs> Um, you? Yeah, okay, yeah. go ahead. Yeah, yeah, just what you meant, I was thinking of you this week because what you said about uh, Berlin, that, you know, that, that when they don't reveal the names, the newspapers make it very easy to figure out who they're talking about, you know? Right. So they said this guy was arrested. They said he, 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 one of the soldiers from Lebanon, the missing soldiers, he apparently told the father that he would be able to fly to Lebanon and find the body, or, or, or find them alive. And he got him so committed that the, the son was arrested, it said, and the, he was one of the people. The, the, it's, I remember you would mention that, that, that to prey on somebody like that is really, I, I don't know, that they, 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 the, the kid, something's missing, and you, you, you hit him up for money for that. I, I, don't know. I, I can only <laughs> tell you that money exchanged hands to get books that they claimed Zach had read in the Syrian prison. A Jew from the Golan Heights, and, and I, the Mossad put up the money, or the army put up the money, uh, Modiyin in the army, and the books were analyzed and they looked for DNA, Lo Dubim Yar. A lady in India wrote to Zach that she has supernatural powers, sent letters of recommendation, and for face, uh, I think it was $25,000, she would get in touch with his son missing in action. I told Zach, throw it away. There were other instances, don't ask, among them well-known Rabbanim who said the most foolish things in the world. Your son is learning Torah now. I told Zach, did he say where? 
down here or up in the Beis Shomala. And ugh, what, what, what that family, what those families went through. Uh, the fact that Zach's body came back, Putin will have a lichtige Ganeden. That's all I can tell you. It's a shame that the other bodies, the only other body that can possibly be recovered that they're searching for, I hope not revealing secrets, is Feldman's body. Cats, nobody survived. The tank burned completely. I don't have to elaborate. Okay, but uh, thank you. By the way, send regards to your parents and tell them the week after next, I hope to cut a date with them that we can get together again. I'm just overwhelmed with doctors and dentists and responsibilities, etc. Okay, yes, yeah. Anyone else? Okay, and tell them Malka has some ideas what, what I spoke about with your mother, with Aliyar and everything else. My wife has some ideas, but we just need a chance where we can sit for Menuchat HaNefesh and be able to catch our breath. Okay, I want to thank, thank you, thank you, thank you. I want to thank everyone for their participation. And, and by the way, Yitzchak, you sent me a link. I can't call up what you sent me. It reads not available, or I don't know what. Maybe resend it and check that it's available, what you just sent me. Until we meet again tomorrow, Hashem, and health and happiness, Dasvidanya. Thank you so much.